hold your place in Matthew chapter number 9, and turn with me to the book of Philippians for just a moment, if you would. This morning, as we come to the book of Matthew, we're going to look at a familiar portion of Scripture here in just a few moments. Uh, But as we, holding our place there, go with me to Philippians chapter number 2, and as you draw your attention to chapter number 2, there's one verse that I want you to look at for just a moment. Matthew chapter number 2, I mean chapter number 9, holding your place there, Philippians chapter number 2, look with me at verse number 5 if you would. Notice the very first words of Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In verse number 5, I want to read that one more time, that verse here, because this morning I want you to think like Jesus. I want you to think like Jesus, and that's the title of the message this morning, that we would think like Jesus. In this portion of Scripture, the Bible says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If you were to go and you were to study the Word of God, you will find in many different portions of Scripture and that there are encouraging verses, encouraging passages of Scripture, key statements, key scenarios where you find the Lord thinking through things. You will find His actions, how He processed certain things, how He conducted Himself, and how He was reacting to certain people, how He was uh, portraying Himself, and what He was communicating to people as He was letting them know why He was there. And the Bible tells us that He came to seek and to save that which was lost. We come to understand that. The Bible also leads us to see some things in Scripture that really get us to thinking in such a way that we say, hey, you know, you, you think about those bands that had come out at one point in time and they, they, they were real popular. I don't know if they're still popular or not, but it just had WWJD. And what did that, what did that little, little saying mean? What was it? What would Jesus do? And that was what was, I mean, it used to be a popular thing. Everybody was wearing WWJD on their wrists and, you know, asking that question, what would Jesus do? Well, we ask ourselves that question all the time, don't we? And you think about scenarios that you find yourself in and you say, hey, how would the Lord react in this situation? Hey, you find yourself going through certain circumstances and you say, what would the Lord have for me to do right this moment? Someone might smart off to you or someone says something to you or there's a reaction that could take place and instead of reacting in a harsh way, instead of reacting in a way that you know you're going to lose your testimony with that person, you say, hey, what would the Lord have for me to do here? We ask ourselves this question oftentimes. Look with me if you would, Matthew chapter number 9, verse number 36. I want you to see something that we find is needed more of in our society. There are Christians just about every block that you pass, you'll find people who will proclaim that they are a Christian. There are people who, as you go through the South, especially the Bible Belt, you'll find that there are churches everywhere. And people that will proclaim that, hey, I know Jesus, I'm a Christian, and all these many things. We're living in a world today, though, where far too often we're missing one thing, and that one thing is found in verse number 36. Notice what the Bible says, Matthew chapter number 9. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Notice that statement. He was moved with compassion. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto the disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, and the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into 
his harvest. Now, verses 36, 37, and 38, there, there is so much to them. There's a seriousness to these, these verses here as you, you come to understand some key phrases. The first key phrase is found in verse number 36 when he says, but he was moved with compassion. And you go on and you begin to look at verse number 37 and you begin to see that it says the harvest truly is plenteous. And then he says the laborers are few. He then, in verse number 38, begins to deal with this seriousness in such a way where he gets them to understand in verses 37 that there's a service that needs to take place. The laborers are few. We need more to go. And so in verse number 38, he uses the key word that he will send forth laborers. And so in verses 36, 37, and 38, you see that he is trying to get a point across, if you would. But this morning, as we look at verse number 36, the Bible says, When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Can I encourage you this morning that you would think like Jesus? Think like Jesus. Number one, we see that Jesus illustrates this here this morning, that he had compassion. Number one, Jesus had compassion. If you're going to think like Jesus, then ought to. You ought to look at this verse right here and you say, Okay, if I'm going to think like Jesus, what should I be thinking on? Compassion is a word that is very easily to understand. Compassion has been illustrated and been defined many times as your hurt in my heart. If you were to illustrate it this morning, I could illustrate it in such a way where you come across someone who finds out that they have bad news. Immediately you hurt for them. You have compassion on them. You might come across someone who is living in a, in a, a, a very difficult situation. They begin to share their situation with you and immediately your heart hurts. You had compassion on them. You begin to understand that word compassion is one that helps us to see that we should be compassionate to others. That we should uh, feel others hurt and that when others are hurting, we feel that hurt. But here's the truth of the matter. In our day and age in which we are living, uh, others hurting is an inconvenience sometimes to us. Let's be honest. You, you, you come across people who are hurting every single day. You ever had someone in passing? I know I've been guilty of it, and the Lord convicted me of it. But I might be busy that day, and I might be going about working and doing whatever I have to do, and I might just be stopping in somewhere. And someone just in a, in a five to ten second uh, greeting, just passing by, you ever just naturally say, Hey, how you doing today? Yeah, it's just a natural response for all of us. And you were just expecting a simple one-word answer, good. But you didn't get that. You got, oh, man, in a long spill of someone who's just having a bad day. And all of a sudden, you found yourself, as you were thinking right there, you're, you, and I, you know, look, we, we've all been in this situation. That, that person begins to share all of the troubles that they had that day. I and mean, you're thinking, man, I was just wanting you to say good. You know. Why? Because it's sometimes we, we feel as though it's an inconvenience. Can I share with you in that moment we didn't have compassion? We live in a world today where we're so busy about our schedules and so busy about what we have to do that sometimes we don't stop and think about others. Notice this portion of Scripture, if you would, in verse number 36. Notice what the Bible says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You see, it was Jeremiah who, as we studied a few weeks ago, Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet in the book of Lamentations, chapter number 3, in verse number 51, the Bible says, Mine eye affecteth mine heart because of all the daughters of my city. 
Jeremiah was affected by all the people that he had seen. He had compassion on many. It was even in a portion of Scripture where Jeremiah begins to reflect on the the children that were there and they were left to themselves and now the children were beginning to do certain things and they begin to reflect on all that was taking place and Jeremiah begins to weep for the children. He had compassion on them. You go and you look at the book of Luke in chapter number 19, verse 41 and 42, and the Bible says, And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hast known even thou, at least in this day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Notice the beginning of that portion of Scripture. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. You see, Jesus had compassion. When Jesus saw people, he didn't see inconvenience. And when Jesus saw people, he didn't see annoyance, if you would. He didn't see frustration. He didn't see problems. He didn't see uh, people that were going to be a distraction. He just saw people and he saw souls, and that's what he had. Compassion on them. And we live in a day and age, we live in an hour right this very moment where our world is getting worse and worse. And instead of looking at the, the, the option of saying, hey, if I'm going to make a difference, I'm going to have to have compassion on them. I'm going to have to go and share the gospel. I'm going to have to go and tell them about Jesus. That's not what we do. We get frustrated. We get annoyed. We gripe and we complain. And we, 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 we make up all these excuses as to why we're not going to. And all the while, we must ask ourselves, are we thinking like Jesus? Are we thinking like Jesus? This morning in verse number 36, the Bible says, When we saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad in sheep, having no shepherd. This morning there are people on every street corner looking for something. Some relief. They're looking for people who will just share with them that they need this Jesus that we speak of. You see, this Jesus that we speak of is the same Jesus that is found in history books, that historians will claim that he's just a historical figure. This Jesus that we speak of is the same Jesus that we find in the Word of God that it says that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. This same Jesus that we speak of is the same Jesus that every single day desires that he would sanctify us under the work that he's called us to. This same Jesus that we speak of is the same Jesus that has called every single one of us to serve Him the rest of the days of our lives. This same Jesus that we speak of is the same Jesus that we find in the Word of God says that there's coming a day where we're going to see Him face to face. What a day that will be. We sing the hymn, what a day that will be. We think about the words and we, we reflect and tears might even come down our eyes, but then we go out into this world and instead of seeing compassion and having compassion on people, He said, no, I've got to get about my day. I've got to be about my business. And all the while, our Heavenly Father is saying, hey, think like Jesus. Why don't you be about your Father's business? This morning, we see in the book of Jude 22 that the Bible says, and of some have compassion, making a difference. This morning, every single one of us knows what that thing is, whether we think that having compassion on people is an inconvenience whether it's just a, a struggle for us to have, whether we might, might make the excuse, oh, it's just not my personality. Well, God didn't mess you up when He made you. He desires every single one of us to have compassion. You see, sometimes we like to use our personality as an excuse not to do what God has called us to do. 
We like to say, oh, that, that's just not my personality. I just can't do that. Well, hey, are you telling me that God, God you know, made a mistake whenever he made you and created you the exact way that he created you? And are you saying that the way that he created you doesn't line up with this book, that somewhere in the middle here that we're finding a, a truth that is misleading? No. It all connects. God desires that we would yield ourselves to him. You say, well, that's just uncomfortable. The greatest place you can be is in an uncomfortable state with Jesus. Because in that place where you find yourself uncomfortable, you say, no longer am I relying upon what I like, but, Lord, I'm relying upon what you've called me to do. And, Lord, I need you. It's kind of like the hymn. I love the hymn. I talk about it often. I need thee every hour. How many of you would say that there has been a time or two in your life where the Lord has put something on your heart that got you out of your comfort zone? I'd say we've all been there at least once or twice. And what a wonderful place that is. What a wonderful place it is whenever God draws you unto himself and he says, hey, I have something for you. And you say, Lord, I've never done this before. I remember whenever I was working uh, for my, my basketball coach and uh, we were, were working at a stage. He, he had a staging business. So you think about the, the concert stages that are at the Super Bowl or, you know, the big concert stages that people will sing on, whatever the case might be. You know, he'd, he'd go and he'd set up these big old concert stages. And uh, I remember there were a couple of times whenever he wasn't able to be there and it was just me and a couple of uh, guys and we'd come in and he'd say, hey, this is what you need to do. And I'm thinking, I've never done this a day in my life. If I mess this up, I'm sending an entire package of, of staging and I'm going to ruin this entire, this entire gig. is going to be, I mean, it's going to be toast. And I remember thinking as he, he, he'd call and he'd say, hey, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And you're thinking, I can't do this. And all of a sudden, you're able to get it accomplished, and you're able to say, hey, I was able to do this. He'd have those blueprints laid out right there. He'd say, get this many of this, get this many of this, get this many of this. And as I think about the many times the Lord has called me to do something, and I'd say, Lord, I can't do this. He'd say, oh, it's fine. I've got it all worked out. Hey, in, in, in my word, I, I command you to do this. This is how you do it. You tell others about me. You do it this way. You do All the blueprints are right here. It's not a, a lack of material that we have. Oftentimes, it's a lack of motivation. You say, well, what motivates you, Jesus? Jesus. Well, we don't lack material to go and accomplish God's work. We just need the motivation. If you fall back in love with Jesus, that's enough motivation to get you going. That's enough motivation. Number two, we see that Jesus was compelled. Not only did he had compassion, but he was compelled. It's been said by, by many that our beliefs will often determine our behavior. You know, whatever we believe will behave that way. And so if you believe certain words are good words, you'll say those words. If you believe certain words are bad words, you won't say those words. But our belief will determine our behavior. If you believe certain activities are acceptable, you'll go and do those things. If you don't, then you won't. And that just determines our behavior, if you would. And as you look at this portion of Scripture, you notice that the Bible says, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You see, and in verse number 37, the Bible says, Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. In this portion of Scripture, in verse number 37, he uses two words that we are familiar with probably, but that we're going to reiterate this morning. The first word is that word harvest. And that word harvest means that he was, he was understanding and he was looking at their need for salvation here. When he was using this illustration, this statement right here, the harvest truly is plenty, he was looking at souls that needed salvation. 
He was looking at people that needed a gospel. He was looking at people that needed saving, if you would. And so as he uses this statement, the harvest truly is plenty. It's, hey, there's plenty to look at. As we go about our days, you might make the statement, well, uh, there's just I don't come in contact with people that I can share the gospel with. You probably come in contact with multiple people every day that you can share the gospel with. Just this past week, as uh, Miss Kelly and I, we traveled over to, to Louisville for a Thursday and, and came back on Friday. And as we were over there, Miss Kelly was to herself one day, and she was uh, with a group of ladies doing some things. And, and I was by myself, and so I went, and I was just driving around Louisville. And then uh, I began to make my way into New Albany, Indiana, and Clarksville, Indiana. I was just driving around, just, you know, pulling into places, you know, just checking the area out. I grew up in Indiana. I like Indiana. Uh, you know, and I'd just travel and look at things and look at certain areas that I remember playing basketball in growing up and checking out, you know, things. That I remember going to Louisville when we were in college and checking out the Yum Center and all these things, just kind of reflecting on all this. And so I, I decided while I was in this area that I was going to go and I, I went and played a round of golf by myself and just kind of made some phone calls while I was on the golf course and getting some things planned for the church and scheduling some things and listening to, to podcasts and just kind of enjoying some time. And after I went and played some golf for the afternoon, I went and I decided I was going to go eat, so I went out to eat by myself. I'm just waiting. I've, I've got to kill time. I mean, I'm just, you know, kind of doing my own thing, and so I'm just kind of waiting and and then uh, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go get a haircut. And up to this point, you know, I talked to a guy at the golf course and said, hey, I want to play 18. I uh, talked to a, a waitress and said, hey, this is what I want to eat. So I really hadn't had any deep conversations. You know where you can always have a deep conversation? Anytime you're getting a haircut. You sit down. How many of you, being completely honest, when I walk into a to somewhere to get my haircut, can I share with you that really what I would like to do is fall asleep. When I get a haircut, I just want to fall asleep. Anyone else, when you're getting a haircut, you just want to fall asleep? That's me. I just want to, I just kind of want to fall asleep. But that never happens. And so I was getting a haircut while I was there, and so this lady was talking to me, and she was like, well, hey, uh, what you got going on today? I was like, well, my wife's at a photography thing right now, and so I'm just kind of killing time. I just went over here, went over here, and, and uh, we're from Clarksville, Tennessee, and we were in Clarksville, Indiana at the time, and so she was like, oh, that's a small world, you know, same name, different state, and I was like, yeah. And uh, she's like, well, what, what brought y'all here? And I said, well, uh, I said, my wife is here for this. And she's like, okay. She's like, cool. And I was like, but uh, I'm a pastor in, in Clarksville, Tennessee. And, uh, and so we kind of got to talking about that and, and uh, for a few moments and just kind of just talking about the Lord. She's like, so she's like, now you look pretty young. I was like, yep, yep, everyone tells me that. She's like, how old are you? And I was like, well, let me let you guess. How old do you think I am? I always go with that first. But anyways, I ended up telling her how old I was, and she's like, oh, wow. And she's like, well, how, how did that happen? I was like, all right, here we go. And so I began to talk to her and said, hey, you know, at the age of 16, I was lost, and I, I knew I was lost, but I grew up, and I convinced myself that nobody would find out. I'd be fine. I'd just, you know, go about this, and no one would figure it out. And I said, I just continue to get convicted and convicted and convicted until one day I, I, I said, you know what, I need to get this settled. I said, I was at church camp, and the, the preacher was preaching, and he began to talk, and he made a statement in passing that really just got my attention, and I got saved. And she was like, she's cutting my hair, and she's, she's you know, going and, and kind of smoothing everything out, and, and it, it was a haircut. Typically, my hair takes about 15 minutes to cut, all right? Not real long, but it was about a 35-minute haircut, all right? 
And uh, you always know that the longer the haircut, that means that they're listening. And so she asked this question. She goes, what is, what is the word convict? What do you mean convicted? And I was like, well, conviction. And I began to explain the conviction and talking to her. I was like, I, I knew that I needed to get saved. I said, have you, have you ever been saved? She's like, She's like, well, I, I, I kind of grew up in church for a period of time, and I went to, to you know, rode on a, a bus for a period of time, but then, you know, once I got into my teenage years, I, I haven't been back to church. So we began to talk, and I said, well, you know any churches around here? You know, I said, I know a, a couple of churches. I began to ask, uh, uh, you know, how far she was from this town and this town, and, you know, kind of trying to relay to her that, hey, if you, if you want to find a good church, there's some good churches in the area. And so we began to talk a little bit more, and, Anyways, this young lady did not get saved that day, but she began to ask all these questions. I said, look, go on gbcclarksville.com. So that's our church website. There's a link right there. You can go and you can look at uh, how you can get saved and you can look at, you know, verses and things like that. And you can even go and you can look at our YouTube channel and watch some of the services and you can watch this or that. And I said, you can go on podcasts and you can download the podcast and listen to some of the services and things like that. And we just kind of were talking about that. I said, I said this, though, as I was walking out, I said, but listen, regardless of any of those things, I said, if you never go and watch a service, if you never go and download a podcast, matter of fact, if you never step foot in my church, I said, you need to get saved. And she was sitting there, and she just kind of grinned. She's like, yeah, I'll have to think about it. And I was thinking right then and there, so close, so close. How many times... Do we have those conversations with people that we might think that they were just so close? As you look at this portion of Scripture, we find that the harvest truly is plenteous. Can I share with you that when Jesus uttered these words, the harvest truly is plenteous, that the harvest truly is plenteous still today? Everywhere you turn, there are people that are looking for something. If we miss an opportunity, it could be tragic. Every single time that I think about souls, every single time that I think about leading someone to Christ, and if I were to take that time off, I would say, ah, someone else will. My dad comes to my mind. Because my dad's lost. I have other people that I know that are lost. And every single time that I think that way, I think, you know what? What if the person that God had intended to lead my dad to the Lord right now is standing right there, and he just looked and he said, I'll let someone else. I said, what if that is someone else's father? What if that is someone else's mother? What if someone else's daughter, that, that, that mom or dad has been praying for that soul right there to be saved? And I just literally sat there and could have had an opportunity to lead them to the Lord. And I said, oh, I'm just going to take this time off. Someone else will come by and share. If we miss an opportunity, it could be tragic. You see, as he uses this illustration here of the harvest and the laborers, as you look at the harvest here and you think about the crop phases here, there are three different phases that crops go through. First is the green phase. It's not quite ripe. It needs attention and some care still. You have to tend to it a little bit more and care for it. And then you've got the ripe stage. This ripe stage is when it's ready to harvest. It's fully matured. It's ready. You think about the, the green phase, those who are just kind of in that stage. They've had some seeds planted, but they're not ready. And then all of a sudden... That ripe stage begins to take place in someone's life, and they're ready to hear the gospel. There, as a matter of fact, they're ready to respond to the gospel. You have phase number three, which is the rotten phase. It's of no use. It's now wasted. The Bible says in Jeremiah 8.20, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. You see, there are people every single day that we come in contact with that are trying to find relief. Maybe in a job. 
maybe in uh, a new promotion or maybe in a new home or maybe in a new car or maybe in a new hobby and they find that after a couple of days what they thought was going to find that relief, what was going to bring that happiness still just isn't doing that. You know why we know that? It's because every single one of us found us ourselves there until we found Jesus. The moment we found Jesus was when the moment we experienced happiness and joy for the first time. Can I share with you this morning, don't let someone who is prepared and ready to hear the gospel miss an opportunity because we as Christians were too lazy to tell them. The Bible says in verse number 37, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. You see, that word laborers speaks of bodies. It speaks of people. It speaks of workers. It speaks of us, if you would. And one preacher put it this way. He said, we are to evangelize not because it is easy, and surely not because we may be successful with it, but because Christ has called us to. He is our Lord, and we have no other choice but to obey Him. That's why. We find in the Word of God, as you go to the book of Matthew, and you go all the way to the back of the book of Matthew, that He says, go. And if you were to flip there right now, your Bible would say, go. And if you were to flip there tomorrow, your Bible would still say, go. Every single day of our lives. And so if you've ever wondered, God, what could change my life? Is if we found ourselves having compassion like Jesus and going and telling a lost and dying world that He still saves. Notice with me, number three, Jesus gave a commandment. That commandment is found in verse number 38. The Bible says, Pray ye therefore, the Lord of harvest, that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. Can I encourage you, the two commandments that are given, the first commandment is to pray. Not only pray that God would send you, but pray that God would send others. You see, every single one of us in this auditorium Every single child of God, if you haven't accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to encourage you to get that settled this morning. But if you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, then every single one of us are not exempt from that commandment right there. Every single one of us have been given the command to go and to tell a lost and dying world. You say, well, how can I do that? You walk out the doors of Gateway Baptist Church. You go and you find one poor soul and you lead them to the Lord. You plant that seed. You say, okay, how do I keep it going? You go and you find another person. As you find that person, you go and tell that person. And when we have soul winning and visitation on a Saturday, you come to the house of God and you go out with your church family and you tell those people and you continue to share every single day of your life. He says in verse number 38, Pray ye therefore, the Lord of harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. First thing he says to do is pray. Notice this next thing we find. He says, Ye therefore are the Lord of harvest. He will send forth laborers into His harvest. It's an amazing thing. The Lord desires that He would send us. The question isn't if God is willing to use us. The question is, are we willing to be used? Many of us say, Lord, I desire to be used. Lord, I want to do this. But Lord, I only want to do this. Well, what if God's saying, Hey, this isn't what I have for you. I have this for you right at this moment. Hey, you want to serve? Then... Surrender yourself to me so I can use you wherever I please to. Sometimes we put parameters on where God can use us. We say, Lord, I desire to be used, but only if you use me here. And God says, that's not how it works. You see, it's like the old hymn that we sing often, I surrender all. Have you surrendered your all? You see, surrendering your all will allow the Lord to say, okay, now that you surrender your all, I can send you wherever I need to. We find in this portion of Scripture that Jesus gave a commandment. That commandment was something that I pray would take effect in our lives and that we would be burdened so much about people that we say, Lord, every single day I'm going to pray. Lord, every single day I'm going to go. 
And every single day, Lord, I'm going to find myself repeating this oftentimes. And Lord, because I want to be used... Lord, I want to have compassion on people. Lord, don't let me get into the spirit of, of saying, hey, I don't have time for them, or Lord, they're an inconvenience, or Lord, I don't want to fool with that, but Lord, burden me so much that tears run down my eyes like Jeremiah. Burden me so much that tears run down my eyes like Jesus, that when he walked into a city, he wept over that city. Lord, as I walk out the doors of the church, and Lord, as I walk out the doors of my home, as I see people in the mall, and I see people in the store, and I, I see people driving past me, Lord, Remind me of that every soul is precious. Can I share with you this morning, you find in Matthew chapter number 9, a portion of Scripture that would aid us and help us to think like Jesus. Can I ask you this morning, are you a compassionate person? If you're not, can I encourage you to find yourself at the altar this morning saying, Lord, help me, break me, mold me, move me. Far too often we find ourselves unmoved find ourselves thinking and listening to certain things and we ponder upon it only to be unmoved, unchanged, unwilling to be used of God. And I encourage you, we could start an entire series entitled Think Like Jesus. We could talk about all of these many things. But if you don't have a burden for people, you're missing it. You see, Jesus' entire ministry was about people. The whole purpose that Jesus came and died and bled on a cross for you and for me was about people. We find in Scripture that Jesus loved people. And I encourage you, find yourself thinking like Jesus and say, Lord, give me a heart of compassion. Lord, compel me to be moved to reach these people. And Lord, help me to follow your commandment and obey you every step of the way. Lord, we do thank you this morning. We thank you for all that you've given us. Lord, if we're not grateful for our salvation this morning, Lord, I pray that you would convict us of that. Lord, simply being thankful for our salvation will help us to tell someone else about it. Lord, we're so... We're living in a world sometimes, Lord, where we find ourselves listening, hearing, but unwilling to do anything about it. We know the solutions. Lord, we found the solution when we found you. I pray that you'd help us. Lord, there are people that are hurting. There are people that are finding relief or searching for it, at least, in all these many things. But if they don't have you, Lord, they'll never find it. I pray that you'd help us now. Guide us and direct us. Use this invitation. Draw us unto yourself, and we'll thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, heads bowed and eyes closed? With heads bowed and eyes closed shared it many times, but there was an athlete one time.